for women from a psychodynamic perspective they have a challenge that men don't have they're born from the same biological sex we aren't mm. and for men as i've said before and james has, has backed me up on this if you were to think about the problem as a man of being born from your own biological gender and how that would affect how you uh, relate to men it would be different completely different because we're born with the anticipation that our primary caregiver our mothers will be of the opposite biological gender welcome back everybody to young to live by now we got a comment on not our last video but our last last video mm -hmm. all about the the horrendous abuse of the oedipus complex we seem to be forming this series all about the mother and the abuse and the psychosexual relating that can follow on from that or your style of psychosexual relating i should i should say and the comment was from somebody called 161803 which yep. is a very very who, who i know very well from youtube hi again my friend there you go. And um, he or she says, uh, pre presumably a him, uh, I'm not gay, but I always had a very strong feeling that I would have become gay had my experiences been just a little bit different during puberty and that my parents, mostly my mother, have something to do with it, even though they're both the exact opposite of abusive or manipulative. How does this differ in women? Homosexuality as a side effect of crooked relationships with parents, I mean. Oh, that's, that's a heck of a question. Um, how we're probably going to tackle it is that James and I will give one perspective and then Pauline and Jane will be on camera to give their view, which is uh, a new for our channel, but we thought this would be a good one to start a with. Good and, one, a, think, a, a good introductory one, A good introductory one to do with it. Yeah, the, the thing about um, parents who are not abusive, or at least not overtly abusive or manipulative, is that they cannot avoid but having an effect on their children. Mm. It's unavoidable. Uh, neurosis is unavoidable. So in that sense, you can say that there's no blame. Let's start from that position. No blame. But having said that, if, if cause is still a part of uh, the issue here, and with respect to the question, how does this differ in women? Uh, homosexuality is a side effect of crooked relationships with parents, I mean, he states. Well, um, first of all, a disclaimer, there's nothing wrong with being gay or bisexual or anything else. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And in fact, as Mark Solmes, the professor of um, neuropsychoanalysis, points out, there are circuits for homosexuality in everybody. And it's just a case of whether they get activated or not. So there's no issue of judgment of any kind there. But in terms of cause in the context of a specific person, that's a different question and one that really deserves some careful thinking about. For women, from a psychodynamic perspective, they have a challenge that men don't have. They're born from the same biological sex. We aren't. Mm. And for men, as I've said before, and James has, has backed me up on this, if you were to think about the problem as a man of being born from your own biological gender and how that would affect how you uh, relate to men. It would be different, completely different, because we're born with the anticipation that our primary caregiver, our mothers, will be of the opposite biological gender. Yes. So when we form an intimate relationship with our mother, it's far easier to transfer that onto another woman than it is in terms of the way that we're set up for instincts to reproduce, to mate and to relate, um, to transfer that onto someone of our own biological sex. Although obviously some people find that is easy enough and quite normal with respect to their genetic inheritance. But statistically, 
most men um, don't have that kind of issue. It's simply a transfer that's off the mother, the caring and nurturing relationship onto a woman, someone of the opposite sex and, and therefore identity to me. Women have a different problem. And, and again, I'm just emphasizing that this is from the point of view of psychodynamics. They have a, a, the problem of transferring that caring and nurturing and intimate primary relationship away from the mother and then onto the opposite biological sex. And this probably accounts for, if not the higher incidence of bisexuality in women, the ease with which women can move into or out from that naturally without it being an issue for their identity. Mm. This has been shown to be the case with respect to a lot of academic psychology and its investigations. Plenty of it is out there on the internet. So that taken into account then with respect uh, to women, if there is a damaging relationship to the father, for example, or to men, whilst they're growing up, they may find that it's easier to reconstitute the affectionate bond that they felt for their mother, i.e. for someone of their own gender, their own biological gender, over onto another intimate relationship, which is caring, nurturative, supportive, sexual, however you want to interpret it. Far easier than it is to take on the challenge, the unwanted challenge in many cases, of bonding with men. Then there are others who will feel that it's a challenge for them that they want instinctively to do, that is to say to, to, to bond with men, and they're under the time release from their genome to do that, but there are psychosocial factors which mean that they don't want to do it, or they are bisexual. Simple yeah. as that. And then, of course, let us remember that sexuality is much broader than just simply reproduction. It's not just about reproducing. Mm. That's why we say mate and relate. It's about relating as well, and libido is energy for life. If the mother is too attaching for a daughter, um, and this is thinking in a pathological sense again, that may well affect how they separate from the mother and identify uh, with the biological intention, the genetic and instinctive intention that is within their genome to mate and relate with men, and they get contained then by the mother in the same way that, that a boy does, but it's different. Mm. Um, it's qualitatively different. And you do see it with a lot of uh, girls who've been disturbed by their relationship to their mother that they fear men inordinately, far beyond any normal or rational means. And there's a tendency then to identify with the mother's psychology and the mother's limitations of adaptation, even insofar as not only to take on the mother's personality type when that might be, not be normal or natural for them, but to actually interject their maladaptations, their complexes, and identify with them. So the daughter becomes a version of the mother. And then by proxy, the mother can control the daughter's development. And whereas the mother may have been hurt by relationships to men, she then gets back, hits back at men by bringing about circumstances where the daughter will be withheld from relating to men. So it's a, a in those circumstances it would be a spiteful thing to do. She may have a very attractive daughter and I say, well, okay, well no man's gonna have her and I'm gonna hit back at men by frustrating them because I've got this beautiful daughter who's really desirable in every way, but you're not gonna have her. You're not going to do to her what you did to me. That kind of thing. That can happen. And I've encountered this in my clinical work. It's not universal. 
It's not like the Oedipus complex, which is supposed to be universal in an ordinary Freudian uh, sense, but it is something that does happen, and to varying degrees. Mm. I'd like to throw out an evolutionary perspective, because mm. I actually think evolutionary biology and psychology can muddy mm. the waters on stuff like this. So if you're looking for a cause, usually if you're looking for something in an evolutionary framework, obviously you look for, does this thing, and presumably it does, because it exists, aid in adaptation to the environment. So there are explanations that have been given. For example, one of the most famous ones is the gay uncle theory. So it's like, well, you've got a certain number of men in a population. Wouldn't it be great if some of those men hung about to help look after the children too? Personally, that doesn't pass any kind of sniff test no. for myself, for whatever yeah. that's worth. Yeah. Um, but if you think about it in terms of instinct, it's like, well, instincts need to be satiated. satiated. Yes. Yes, so it's instinct for instinct's sake. So you could say, well, what's the evolutionary purpose? And therefore make a moral argument that can be covertly nested within that. of say lesbian, being a lesbian or being a gay man. It's like, it doesn't need to be an evolutionary purpose. No. At all, no. For, for, for in exactly the same way, and it's, I'm not not building in a pathology into this at all. Mm. But for example, watching porn as a man, it's like, well, that serves no evolutionary purpose either. But you do it yes. to satisfy instinct. Yes. So why would human beings be drawn to porn? Why does that that trick the brain? That, yeah. That's one thing. But another one, mm -hmm. I find really really interesting, where he says that um, you know his his parents are the exact opposite of abusive, yeah, and manipulative. Like, like the simplest model that we can really get away with mm -hmm. in therapy is kind of you've got like ego complexes, yeah. anima animus, and instincts. Yeah. But anima animus is probably a cluster of instincts yeah. that seems to produce its own resultant image Absolutely. To, to project onto yeah. a woman if you're a man or vice versa. And it's like, okay, your parents can influence your complexes. Yeah. Your parents will influence your anima and your animus, or yeah. obviously you've got one of them. All of that stuff driving you is imprinted on by them. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Regardless of whether or not a parent was a, was overtly abusive or manipulative, I think you're absolutely right. They will still influence you. Oh yeah, and it's like the way that they related will affect the way that you go forward. Yeah, that's that can be considered quite sinister in a way. Yes, it can. You know, you'll always have bits and pieces from the past that aren't sorted out completely. Yeah. That you'll need to pass on to other people. Getting slightly off topic, of course, but I thought that'd be useful to. No, I, th I think that's a really good background, and it, it helps to get away from psychoreductionism mm. as well, yeah. which is important. And what you really meet are situations based upon that, which are expressed psychologically and then psychosocially, and then. If you're a therapist or a researcher, you have to make some sense of that to understand the whole context of the situation. Um, I'm very big on understanding whole context. Without that, mm. there are severe limitations to any conclusion you come to, and therefore for any kind of therapeutic intervention that you may deploy in the clinical field. So yeah, absolutely, and that's a really good way of cutting away the nonsense and seeing what might actually be going on. But in, in terms of um, the exact opposite of abusive or manipulative, that might be a matter of perception. Yeah. Uh, some things are so soft, so to speak, as opposed to overt uh, and obvious and hard and controlling, but they are still controlling. Uh, and to look for the secondary gain of example for, for why a mother might want to prevent her daughter um, from mating and relating with men, the pathology will be in her background, not in the daughter's. And her background then shapes the daughter's expression. And like you say, it doesn't have to serve an evolutionary purpose, just a psychological or psychosocial mm. purpose mm. in the context of that particular family. Uh, and it becomes a problem when people are hurt. If no one's hurt, it's not a problem to anyone. Mm. Nothing's a problem if, if people aren't hurt. Any lifestyle, no problem. Don't hurt other people should be the golden rule. 
mm. I would suggest. Yeah, you say homeostasis is... Uh, yes. Uh, also, yeah, live and let live is homeostasis par excellence. It is. Right. It's the hardest thing to live up to, that simple line, live and let live. It would work if everybody did it, but people won't, Yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, we were, t- we were talking in the last podcast about like signals that come through from the unconscious. Yeah. And it's like, you know, because I've spoken to, it's, this is more common I've found with men than it is with women, but I have met lesbians like this, where the homosexuality upsets them. They feel like something's up. Within, that's purely from within them that comes forward. And of course, the cultural conversation is, well, that's because of whatever cultural forces are causing an oppressor-oppressed narrative. Independent of that, psychologically, you've got a signal coming through. And it's like, well, maybe it is you were in a family that didn't like homosexuality. Fine, absolutely valid. Or it could be something else. It could be a sign, because as you've said, people can swap between them. Mm. And it can result as a result of abuse. Yes, it can. So it has, yeah. it has to be, you know, these conversations get people into trouble all the time. Yeah. But it's not. If you focus on the individual and mm. bespoke to their personal myth, yeah. you can sort it all out. And it's like, maybe you were meant to be gay. Maybe you were not. That's up to an individual to discover on their own journey. Yes. And no one should take that away from you. No, no, indeed. And uh, that's the way I've always been. I've had, and it's going back a long time, going back decades, where parents, and I'm thinking now actually of a mother who had a gay daughter, um, came in to try and force me to do the conversion thing, and she had to be told, even then, decades ago, no chance. Um, You just can't do that. You cannot do that. People come to their own decisions as far as they feel they can, Mm. and, and then that's it. And that's the way it should be treated. Completely agreed. Well, you were saying you, you, you don't know many gay women, Jane, I think, aren't you? Yeah, I, do, I, I don't. I don't. I can't think of the top of my head. Mm. Apart from the ones I see on, on, like, you know, social media. Yes. I don't actually know anyone. Yes. Yeah. Of that orientation. Yes. So it's a little bit harder for me from, from that perspective to actually talk about it. Mm. Um, mm. I, I think the point that... Um, I think it was Steve and, and James were making uh, before about um, women and uh, the way, obviously, the way in which they grow up and the relationship, daughters, the relationship to their, their fathers is probably key there, as well as there being, um, if we think in terms of a daughter's animus development, it's almost as if genetically she's prepared to experience men negatively. Um, before she even uh, relates to them psychosocially. It's as if it's skewed in that way with respect to the, the genome that uh, a woman's anticipation of men is somewhat um, negative and, and that um, they... Because obviously, you know, the, the mother is, is the, the, the main caregiver for, for both sons and daughters, uh, that men are somehow strange and alien to daughters as well in that sort of psychosocial sense but also they're prepared to experience in that experience them in that way genetically too so if you think about it that that you're already born with that kind of expectation and your experience say of, of your father or your mother's animus or of men more generally is negative too that it might then skew you towards becoming uh, gay, becoming lesbian, because of that sort of innate and also that conditioned fear of men. Uh, so you could see how that would happen. And I'm, I've got somebody in mind, I guess, as I'm talking. It's uh, somebody that um, 
is a female friend of the family who I know for a fact has had that kind of conditioning that she was pretty much rejected by her father in favour of his of her father's girlfriend she was excluded from his life and he's basically had nothing much to do with her since she was born and that's kind of it's kind of squared the problem for her um, in terms of her relating to boys and, and to men as she's grown up. And you can see how her sexual orientation has shifted accordingly. And it does beg the question, had things been different for her within her family constellation, would have she developed differently in terms of her her. Uh, homosexuality um, and for some people I guess you would have to say it's, there's a possible yes there for others maybe not and uh, of, of course there's nothing inherently wrong with that anyway but we're I guess we're trying to just explore some of the reasons why maybe uh, you know a, a daughter would be would be shaped or pushed in that direction um, so I, I can certainly think of some examples within my own context of that having happened so in that case, in terms yes. of the dad being absent, yes, she wasn't able to basically relate, have, have that figure where she could yes learn to relate to men. Yes, and, and it was such a negative experience for her because he kind of almost outrightly rejected her, like I say, in favour of the relationship, obviously, between the mother and father broke up. And uh, he rejected it, rejected her in favour of these other women. So in, in, in that regard, he was quite promiscuous as well. And then if you think of a situation where the mother also had a series of relationships with men thereafter, and there were lots of strange men, boyfriends, coming through the family home, none of which stayed for very long, um, you can see how that would impact very negatively on that young woman, young woman growing up both, um, you know, in, in terms of a sexual orientation, but also psychosocially as well, and, and um, how that might have affected her, her self-concept and her self-esteem. All, all, all these things can be affected as well. Thank you for watching this episode of Young to Live By. If you haven't already, make sure you download our free PDF for integrating your shadow. It includes the most advanced theory on the topic available anywhere on the internet, as well as a full practical breakdown. If you've ever wanted to integrate your shadow, this is honestly the way to do it. Thanks again for watching and take care.